Welcome back, everyone, in A Teacher's Shoes. And uh, I'm happy to be here because it's been a super long time since I've recorded. And uh, my guest today is Jordan Gross. Um, and we have postponed this interview for, for quite a while. So it's great that we're here. Uh, but basically, Jordan Gross is the author of The Journey to Cloud Nine. He's currently working with people to help them discover what brings them passion, joy, and fulfillment. And he's here with us today to talk more about his story, his process, and basically to help more people live the lives that they dream about. And hopefully, during all of this, we can make a strong connection with education and how we can make a difference with all of that. So mm -hmm. please join me in uh, welcoming Mr. Jordan Gross. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, we've been back and forth for a couple of months now, but today is the day and here we are and it's a new year and great time for the podcast to, to turn back on and, and get things moving. Um, I'm just really pumped to uh, be chatting today. So let's do that. Definitely. Thank you so much. I'm really excited about this. Yeah, no, of course. Thank you. Awesome. So would you tell us a little bit more about the journey to cloud nine so we can get into context? Yeah. So the journey to cloud nine, let's, let's backpedal to, let's go, let's go two years ago, basically the beginning of my own journey to cloud nine, where I left the corporate world and quit my job and had no idea what I was going to be doing with the rest of my life. And what I did was realize that I had a bunch of pages in a Word document about personal development reflections and anecdotes and uh, little learnings from my own life that I was using to keep myself positive and optimistic and energetic and stress-free, even though I was in this corporate position that was super hectic and, and kind of crazy, honestly. Um, I wanted to share that. I didn't know what it was going to become. I was sort of just taking a little time for myself after this uh, really, really intense job. And I ended up turning these pages into my first book. And I self-published a book in, in like the next two months called Getting Comfy, Your Morning Guide to Daily Happiness. And I said, okay, well, what do people do when they publish a book? So I did my research and the way that I do research is by reaching out to people who I admire. So I reached out to authors and speakers and coaches and they all told me that that's what I should do. So I started writing more. I started to try to do speaking and I started to do coaching based on morning routines. And for the next like six months to nine months, I, that's what I was doing. But, you know, it wasn't, it was great. And I realized that the the key link between that and what I should be doing in my life is very simple. It's just about adding value to other people and using relationships and positivity and optimism to do that. But I didn't think this was going to be my my place, you know, moving forward. I wanted to discover something else, something more. So that's when the, the journey to Cloud9 came along. And it was a very chance coincidence in which... I was riding in an Uber in New York City, and in that Uber, I was in the back seat being quiet for once because I'm not a like super loquacious guy, but I ask a lot of questions because I that's you know I want to converse and make people feel a certain way different than the norm, and most people don't talk to their Uber drivers. But I was being quiet on this night um, until 
we were driving past the East River and I saw a boat and the boat was called Cloud Nine. And I said to myself, wow, that's a really cool name for a boat. Like Cloud Nine, it's everything I love. It's optimism and euphoria and positivity and happiness. So I just blurted out to my Uber driver, hey man, what does Cloud Nine mean to you? And he's like, oh, Cloud, I love Cloud Nine. And he, he starts telling me stories about he was on Cloud Nine when he got married and he was on Cloud Nine when he had children. He was on Cloud Nine during this specific moment in his childhood when he was playing with toys. And, you know, I started to listen to all these stories and I said, wow, there are a certain amount of momentous occasions in our lives where we truly experience this cloud nine sense of euphoria. So after that night, I said, okay, let me look further into this. And I started asking other people, what's your cloud nine? What's your cloud nine? What does it mean to you? How do you have a cloud nine day? How do you have a cloud nine week, month, night, morning? You know, what does this all mean? And not only did the moments start to repeat themselves, these specific life scenarios that we all go through, but also I started to pick up on key patterns, right? So cloud nine has to do with love and cloud nine has to do with camaraderie and cloud nine has to do with benevolence, right? So I put these two things together and I said, okay, I can either do another traditional self-help book where I just illustrate, like demonstrate my findings or I can do something where I really start to carve out my own niche and set myself apart from a lot of other writers, speakers, and coaches in this world. And that's what I did. I chose that, the latter. And what I decided to put out to the world, which is the journey to cloud nine, is an allegory where the book is totally fiction, but it's based on all the interviews that I did. But I tell the story of a guy who is living not so much a cloud nine life, but I juxtapose that life with all the decisions that he could have made that would have led to his cloud nine life. And it basically presents this contrast between the life that you are living versus the life that you could be living. Um, and it revolves around making decisions based off of your heart and your intuition, as opposed to societal expectations and peers and people around you. So that's where we're at now. And you know, now it's, it's talking about cloud nine and coaching and speaking and writing more. So I know it's a little long-winded, but that's, uh, that's where I'm at. No, it's perfect. You actually hit two, two questions with <laughs> one answer. So it's perfect. Um, so you wrote this book. You had this journey, which is interesting because it starts from your personal journey. That's right. Um, I was wondering, how did you come up with that? process because you say these there were these patterns to uh what cloud nine looks like but the process to get there i find especially in the world where we're living right now everyone's like hoping to get this epiphany oh that's my purpose like that's what i'm looking for and um even for you i think like you said it came over a length of time when you were doing something else you realized well this isn't actually what i want to do for the rest of my life it's not exactly where i i'm feeling uh i should be so how did you come up with that process and how could you sort of be sure that this could apply to anyone no matter the age no matter the status and what they're doing with their lives yeah it's such a great question because it's it's the million dollar question, right? How do we find that fulfillment if we have no idea what it is? And it is truly 
a journey. It's not just going to come and smack you in the face unless you already knew what it was way back when you were a little kid. And that, that's, you know, this isn't the answer, but that's something to think about. It's what really lit you up as a kid and then start to think of the emotions and the qualities of what that experience is, right? Because for me, like, I can't go ahead and be a professional soccer goalie right now. But what was I as a professional soccer goalie? Well, I was a leader and I had great teammates. So I need, you know, people in my life and I added value to my team. So I need to help people, right? So the, the more you dive into the experiences that lit you up when you were younger, I think the more you'll be able to realize what you should be doing moving forward. With that being said, I, I've tried to create something a little bit more tangible. Um, and I've realized that it's what I was doing with, with my life when I was figuring out my own cloud nine. So I told you that there are these principles, right? And we won't go into all of them, but a couple, for instance, are what I said before, love, camaraderie, benevolence, right? Those three will go to. And there, I, I decided to choose nine, obviously nine clouds, cloud nine. I'm very thematic if you, if you haven't been able to tell by now. Um, so... It, with these specific areas, it's like in personal development, I believe that you can be told what to do, right? You can be told you should meditate and you should eat right and you should sleep well. And that's the answer, right? But if everybody was doing that, then we'd all be fine and there'd be no need for personal development. Well, one of the issues is that we don't like being told what to do. We want to make realizations for ourselves, right? So I've created these areas of your life where you need to start taking note. Start taking note of the things that you love, the people that you love. Start taking note of your friendships and your relationships. Start taking note of how you give back to your community, right? So now that you have these buckets, I want you to start to assess whether or not your life looks like the way it should look in that particular area. And the way that I begin this process is through something called imaginativitation. So imaginativitation stands for imagination plus creativity plus implementation plus interpretation plus implementation. So what I do is I, I kind of say, you know, if you're in that state of benevolence and you realize that things aren't where they're supposed to be, then imagine this world where you are being truly 100% altruistic and benevolent, right? What does that world look like? What are you doing for society? What are you doing for people? How does that make you feel? How does that make other people feel, right? And you envision this, this world. Then you have to get creative. Well, how can you work backward from envisioning that world to creating some steps as to how you can get to that world, right? So then... You need to interpret what that means for your everyday life, right? So what can you do tomorrow that's going to get you a little bit closer to that imagined world? And then finally, you need to implement. You need to actually go and do it. So in each of the different clouds throughout the book, throughout the personal development process, you're using this imaginativitation in order to get you to that ideal place of where you should be in each of those buckets. And then once you're in each of those buckets, you'll just be you know, so content with the person that you are, that things will come hopefully a little bit easier. So the key is to not fix, but try to improve every area of your life. And then once everything is improved, you're 
most most likely going to be closer to where you want to be kind of that's right because the the more you proactively seek out something the more pressure and anxiety that's going to start to build around it so it's almost like when you hop like think about sometimes when we get our best ideas when you hop into the shower or when you're on a, a walk right it's because we're not putting any pressure on ourselves to come up with these ideas so if we're just working on being the best possible cloud nine version of ourselves, we're going to have a lot greater of a chance for that epiphany, like you said, to come to fruition, right? Um, as opposed to us saying, I need to figure out this one epiphany right now and give it just, you know, let me, let me have it, right? It, it just, it unfortunately isn't going to work that way for the majority of people. Mm-hmm. I have a completely sort of unrelated question right now you've been talking about cloud nine since for for a while i mean since the beginning and i keep on thinking of peter pan does cloud nine come from peter pan no i i'm not a huge peter peter pan fan what what like is that a song i no i don't know i was just thinking uh do do i knew do i know my disney well no i was thinking (laughs) uh there's something about clouds and uh, um, Neverland or something like that. Anyways, uh-huh. doesn't matter. It was just a side no. note that I was thinking, does that come from Peter Pan? That's, That's so funny. But no, <laughs> Cloud9 really comes, like I, I'd heard the expression before, but Cloud9 comes from that boat. Like that boat was the first time I'd thought about it for a long time. And then it's funny because it's like, I forgot what the psychological term is. It Maybe it's like law of attraction kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But after cloud nine uh after i saw the cloud nine boat i started to realize like i saw another cloud nine boat and then somebody sent me like uh a lot of people sent me things because when i started talking about cloud nine it was like there's a tv show where there's the cloud nine superstore and then i realized that like this was really crazy one of my favorite artists kaigo his album that's like one of my favorite all my favorite songs are on that album it's called cloud nine Oh, really? That was really crazy. And then like the Temptations have a Cloud9 record. And uh, yeah, so the the more I started talking about Cloud9, the more it just like became a part of my world. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So I noticed in your TED Talk um, that you gave it in a middle school. And I was wondering Mm -hmm. if, if it was because your public or your audience was mostly composed of middle schoolers as in you went to speak to them or was it just a lucky coincidence? Yeah. So I really, I do think that maybe sometimes what I talk about could be more mature than middle schoolers, but I really don't think so. So for that first Ted talk, it was based off of my first book, which was about morning routines Mm-hmm. And the way that I got the talk was by connecting with the organizer of the event, who was a middle school teacher. And what I said to her was, Sarah, I really think that I can come give a talk to help your students arrive when that first morning bell rings in homeroom. I, I want to help them arrive cheerful and optimistic and stress-free as opposed to drained and tired and not waking up until fourth period, right? Mm. That was what my talk was about. It was about how to create this morning routine that energizes you and boosts you up as opposed to, okay, you're going to get out of bed and run to school and then you're not, you know, you're not fully invested in your schoolwork until the middle of the day. Mm -hmm. So that's, uh, that was like my message for, for students there. And now I have a new message for students. So Mm. I 
think there's a component of everything that I do that could be taught in the classroom. Mm-hmm. And you said you're, there's a new message to your to students. Is that uh, about journey to cloud nine? It is, but it's a little bit, it's, it has more to do with the fact that I told it as an allegory as opposed to traditional self-help. So I think students mainly, yeah, you can attest to this and, and tell me uh, if I'm right or wrong, but they probably a lot of the time will provide like the biggest pushback as to, I don't want to be told what to do, right? It's, it's very challenging to just say to somebody, um, you know, you need to be kind, right? We need to show people that they should be kind, right? And this is, this is why children's books are a thing. And this is why uh, fairy tales are a thing and superhero movies, right? Because we're teaching through storytelling as opposed to direct advice where you're just, you know, required to go implement. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why the journey to cloud nine is an allegory. It's because I want people to feel the advice. I want people to discover the advice on their own and figure out the morals as opposed to just outlining the, the principles that I thought were most important. Um, so yeah, that's why storytelling in the classrooms for me is something that I definitely uh, want to promote and uh, you know, even share this book with people in the classroom because the principles are, I, I think, you know, maybe a high school audience, maybe middle school. But um, yeah, the main thing for, the, for students would be to show rather than just direct. Mm-hmm. True. And I think that a lot of what we're trying to do with students, no matter what grade, is for them to interpret what they understand, right? Because mm-hmm. if you just ask them to give back the information that you just taught them, well, it's kind of just repetition. There's no deep learning involved into that. But when you're interpreting, well, it's based on your life experience and how you've seen it through your perspective. Mm-hmm. So I think it's really interesting that you made, um, you made it that way. Yeah. Um, so I was wondering if, linked to your first book, if mm-hmm. you have any tips on how to teach students, and I would say even teachers, to be comfortable or comfy with the uncomfy since it's such a challenge, especially today. Yeah, so I've got a process and it is a morning routine. That's like the basis of it. But it actually turned into something in which any situation that makes us feel uncomfy, you can use these five steps, the C-O-M-F-Y, in order to get yourself comfy. Mm-hmm. So let's have a little fun with this. We'll do it together or we'll do a couple of the steps together. And then for sure. time, I'll just share the rest. So let's do C first, okay? So let's together, let's take a deep breath, okay? Ready? One, two, three. Okay. So say anything uncomfy is coming up for for teachers. I don't know. Maybe it's your review or maybe it's uh, just a a really stressful day for students. Maybe it's a big exam or maybe it's a big um, essay you have to write or even just homework, right? The first thing you want to do is come from a place of calm, which is why we just did deep breathing. And deep breathing is, is really quick, it's really easy, and it's really effective, right? So what coming from a place of calm does is, very simply, it, it just slows us down. We don't need to feel so rushed going into whatever it is that we're doing. 
And I want to make a quick note before I keep moving forward. It's that COMFY, it's not like these direct demands. Again, it's about trial and error in your own life, using that imaginativitation in your own life to choose your own version of the comfy routine as opposed to me just telling you, you have to do deep breathing, then you have to do this, right? So other options for calm are yoga, meditation, go for a walk, do the dishes, like whatever puts your mind totally at ease. So then we're going to do, oh, so, okay, Erica, tell me, tell me something that you accomplished today. Um, I got some students to understand how to make an equivalent fraction. Amazing. So you just did O and O stands for openness. So what we want to do with openness is get all the thoughts that are going on inside of our heads related to this uncomfy thing out into the open. So we can do that through opening up to somebody else, just like you and I just did telling our accomplishments, telling our fears, our strengths, weaknesses, talking about what we're grateful for. Right. Or you can open up to yourself if you don't have the luxury of talking to another po person in the moment. And what you can do is you can journal. So you can write down things like your fears, your strengths, um, everything that's, that's going on so that you can just get the thoughts out of your head because that's what causes the stress. So then uh, I'll just walk through the rest and uh, I won't make you do M because I would normally have you do a little jog in place, but M stands for movement. And this one's really simple. There's so much research out there, but just, you know, a quick set of push-ups or sit-ups or running in place or just moving your arms around or shaking your body. Uh, it just really, you know, it puts your mind at ease. It really kickstarts your brain. It kickstarts your, your body, obviously. And for me, like it puts a smile on my face, right? Like you don't often move around the room before doing a sales pitch, right? Like, you know, then I'm just in a place of, okay, I'm not taking myself too seriously and everything's going to be fine. Right. So movement, huge, um, which leads to F, you know, talking about not taking ourselves too seriously. F stands for funny. Right. And it's all about smiling. So before that big thing that it is that you're going to do that uncomfy, really scary thing, just take some time to smile, take some time to laugh, share a joke with a friend, go watch a funny YouTube video, go watch a funny meme, go, you know, just, just immerse yourself in laughter and realize that, sure, like this world is serious and serious things do happen. But the best way you're going to be able to appropriately respond to them as opposed to impulsively react to them is by not taking yourself too seriously. And that's what funny is all about. Mm -hmm. And then finally, why? Why stands for you. So this is your opportunity to truly finish up this routine with something that you want to do rather than have to do. Right? So in the morning, for example, that's what having a morning routine is all about. You can be the most selfless person in the world, but you need to spend that time on yourself so that you can be a better you for other people. Before you go into that uncomfy thing, have something that's totally yours that's just going to, to energize you, charge you up right before you do it. Right. So maybe you, you have like a pregame uh, motto or you do, you know, a special handshake with a friend or a family member, right? It, it's just something that is ritualistic and yours. Um, or it could be a hobby, you know, whatever it may be, depending on the time. And uh, time is the last thing I'll talk about with the comfy routine. If you have two hours, this could be a two hour thing where you do an hour 
of meditation, of 30 minutes of exercise, and you know, the, it really goes on for a long time. Or if you only have five minutes, you can still get comfy in five minutes and you can do deep breathing, uh, say what you're grateful for, 10 push-ups, one minute video, and then you know, whatever your why is. So it really gives you that flexibility to what we're talking about the whole time, interpret for yourself and then implement into your life and, and assess whether or not it's working. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, I think that this can be super helpful for someone pretty much any age. I mean, kids can understand this really well. And I think while you were speaking, I was thinking of how my students do some of these steps just for the fun of it. They already know that it makes them feel better. I have some students who have this secret handshake, like you were saying Uh that they do with the class next door, someone in the class next door before they come in class. Uh And, uh, and it's things that are very precious to them. But for some reason, I think that when we grow up or when we grow, go through the system or whatnot, there's, there's something, something that goes on in there that makes us stop (laughs) what we used to do, but uh, certainly very interesting. Yeah. I think it, I think honestly, coming back to that imaginativitation, it's the lack of imagination. We're told that imagination is a very childlike characteristic. A waste of time and stuff. It's not true. We, we need to imagine so that we can visualize, we can envision, uh, we can create based off of that imagination. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Would, do you think it's possible for teenagers, I don't know, I've, I've heard this somewhere that for teenagers, it's really hard to see things in the long term as mm-hmm. in the macro um, because, <coughs> excuse me, they tend to see things for some reason in a very short term fashion. So anything that is going to happen beyond a week from now is, is too much for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you think that this could be a problem for the process that you're talking about for seeing the larger vision for seeing like their greater purpose or something? It's a really challenging question. (laughs) Excuse me. It's okay. Uh, It's a really challenging question. And I I truly think, you know, I would like to get your perspective on this, but when I was going through my teenage years, it was just beginning to be that age of social media So I didn't experience it as much as teens do now where we constantly want to be instantly gratified. And it's not just teenagers. We all want to be instantly. Absolutely. Yeah. Which is, is detrimental for somebody looking for this long-term sustainable sense of fulfillment, right? Because we want it now. Mm -hmm. Um, So I do think teenagers who are a little bit more impressionable by their peers and by society, it's definitely more difficult when things seem like they should be happening now. It's hard to understand and fathom that it takes a lot of work and effort and things don't just happen overnight. So yeah, you know, but, but at the same time, do I think it's possible? Yes. And, And it's possible by sharing methodologies like this, by sharing stories like this, by, you know, asking people what they want their lives to look like when they're 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years old and sort of training the mindset to think more Mm -hmm. long-term. There has to be a counterpart to this short-term gratification that we are getting so accustomed to in our society because of this, you know, social media. 
Sure. Yeah, I would agree with you. I think that it's absolutely most people, not just teenagers at all. But I was just wondering because because of that idea that teenagers can't see in the long term. But honestly, even though someone, I think someone shared that with me as a part of some research. Uh But I think that without any background knowledge on this, I would just say that I don't think it's it's uh, a fact that their sort of their brains are incapable of seeing in the long term. I really think that if a teenager or anyone for that matter can see the point, like why are we doing this and where is this going to lead me? Mm -hmm. Like in a very concrete fashion, not like I need to pass this class to get this grade, to get into this school that might give me the job I want type of thing. But if it's very concrete, uh, I think teenagers are capable very capable of seeing that it's just a matter of is it worth it do i really want it that bad and do i even know what i want i mean for adults as well that's the problem yeah. uh not knowing what you want makes you go in circles and yeah. you're just kind of trying to figure things out and often unhappy you're often unhappy because you don't know where you're going right. so i think that there would be it would be great if everyone could have this Uh, perspective on things on how you have to see things in a longer form and just take the time to also evaluate how good it is or not good it is and stuff like that that's right yeah one of my my focuses for the last probably six months and it will continue to be my focus is just patience it's Mm -hmm. simply just patience and understanding And this is something that I think, you know, we could have gotten into more, but understanding that consistency in doing the right things will lead to the rewards at the end of the day, right? And it's hard when you're going through the process, like days are going to be very different. Some days you won't feel like that, but just really convincing yourself and knowing that the more habitual you become in, in doing what you know is best for you the better off you're ultimately going to end up. And the more you're going to enjoy the process as well, because that journey is really what it's all about. That's why it's called the journey to cloud nine. It's not just called attaining cloud nine. Mm -hmm. You have to enjoy every single moment. You have to be present for each and every part of it. You don't want to just say, I'm going to be happy when I get to cloud nine. No, it's about being happy the whole time on your way to cloud nine. Absolutely. And I can see my students coming along in the hallway. So can you tell everyone where they can reach you to learn more? Yes. So reach me the easiest way if you want to talk to me directly is on LinkedIn, Jordan Gross, and it's me Um, every single time. I'll make sure that I respond. And then find out more is journeytocloud9.com. That's all spelled out, journeytocloudnine.com. And the book is out and available now. And I've got free chapters if you want to test it out first. Um, So yeah, please reach out. I love to chat with anybody and everybody who uh, gets in contact. So thank you so much. And uh, I'm so glad we did this. Yes. So make sure to connect with Jordan and learn more about everything that he's doing. Jordan, I'm very grateful for uh, your time. And I want to thank you and wish you a nice end of the day. Thank you. Thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. And I'll talk to you soon, right? Awesome. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye.